Test, test, test. I don't hear the ring, but I don't hear me. Oh, there it is. You guys hear? You hear a ring? I think we're okay. You never know how things happen. So I, uh, at least it's not Jeff's coughing fit that he had. I heard he had a coughing fit, and no matter what happened, he, the uh, oh, it's back. Uh, the uh, uh, water didn't help. Nothing helped. Poor guy. So if you missed that, I know we had a lot of COVID absences last week. We're still down this week. I'm hoping people can finally come back to church. Um, but if you missed that, uh, I'd encourage you to go to our website and, and listen to Jeff Potton's message on the love of God um, and encourage you. And uh, we're encouraged. He is the um, chaplain for the Detroit Tigers, and he does a lot of speaking ministry outside of that. Actually, after Sunday, somebody contacted me looking for guest speakers to fill pulpits, and I'm like, call Jeff Totten. So uh, he, he texted me back and said, thanks, Don, you booked me for all of the summer. So uh, that was kind of a good connection uh, with Jeff, and I'm glad he could be here. I hope you got to talk to him. He's had an integral part here at Oakwood, uh, the in- interim time when they were looking for a pastor. So we're thankful for his ministry. We're in our series called Pray. Everybody say, pray. We are on the third message. We've looked at four of Paul's prayers. The first prayer, I pray that you'd be strengthened so that you would know God's love. Remember, it follows the theme, I pray so that. I pray so that. Paul said, I pray you would be strengthened so that you would know God's love. Second week, we talked about, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that You know all that you have in Christ. Paul prays that theme over and over again, and we're in the third week of a four-week series, and the big idea today is I pray for complete unity, for our complete unity, so that the world will know. Everybody say, I pray pray. for complete unity. Everybody say, "So so that the world will know. Romans 15, 5 through 7. We're going to have that on the screen. And then there's going to be a lot of verses we use today that aren't going to be on the screen. So if you've got a Bible or a gadget ready to go, if you need a Bible, there are some scattered throughout underneath the baskets uh, in the seats around you. Uh, but we're going to be all over Scripture today, but we're going to talk mostly about this passage, Romans 15, 5 through 7. Would you pray with me? Would you pray this prayer? You can say it silently in your heart. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we do pray that you'd be glorified. Pray that everyone hearing this would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. I did forget to say thank you, but thank you for allowing me to go and speak a couple of times uh, throughout the year. I was at uh, Gull Lake Conference Grounds uh, near Battle Creek last weekend and had a wonderful time speaking there. Um, I know they had a terrible hardship finding volunteers to man everything, but I'm so thankful that everybody stepped up, made it happen last week, even during our, our downtime with all the sickness going on. So the third prayer, I pray, complete unity so the world will know. Churches all want to be the friendly church. Uh, we had Stephanie come up today. She, she's the host of our team that works on, and we're going to do some training here coming up on being a friendly church. Every church wants to be known as a friendly church. And, and, and we hear from time to time, you always hear the negative. You'll hear, I just didn't feel welcome there. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't find them friendly. And that just blows my mind because I know we've got some friendly people at the doors. I know we've got people assigned in the, in the hallway there. There's people assigned in here just to make sure that everybody is welcomed and greeted. And, and yet I know sometimes we miss the mark and sometimes people want more maybe than we could give. And everybody wants to be known as the friendly church. Uh, I'm thankful that Oakwood didn't name himself that. Have you ever noticed that when a church names itself something, it's probably not true? And, and, and I've seen churches Friendship Baptist. Probably not. I've seen Unity Baptist. Definitely not. Baptists just love a good fight. Anybody grow up Baptist here in the room? Amen. Recovering Baptist. We love a good fight. Uh, uh, and so when you see names like Unity Baptist or Friendship Baptist or, or uh, Love Fellowship Community Church, probably, that's probably what they struggle with the most. I'm thankful we're just plain old Oakwood Community Church. We're named after the road. We cannot fail in that. Nobody can come and say, I went to Oakwood Community Church, but it wasn't on Oakwood. Okay? Uh, so I'm thankful for that. Okay? We, we're going to nail the mark on our name. We're here. We're on Oakwood Road. Uh, But I do believe that every church wants to be friendly. Every church wants to be in unity. And I'm going to tell you, eyeballs here, I'm going to tell you, in today's world, unity is hard to come by. The world is right now so full of differing opinions on everything I think when I was growing up, we had different opinions. I don't think everybody agreed. But for some reason, I think when I was growing up, we could disagree without being disagreeable. We can have different opinions without not liking one another. But hey, when you disagree with somebody, it leads right away to anger. Not for everybody, but for most people, it turns to anger. And our culture has changed. I want to point out to you a couple of things. If you watch the news at all, and I don't care what you watch. Most news is slanted. I find that funny because people always argue with me that their news is not. No, you watch that news because it's slanted toward your view and you like your view and so you think everybody agrees with you. But news is no longer news. They don't report on news. Everybody goes directly to outrage. Uh, I challenge you today, go home and watch the news, and I don't care which end of the uh, CNN to, to Fox, I don't care what end you watch or listen to, they don't report news and they don't even give arguments anymore, and they just go to outrage. And they spend hours talking about their outrage over something. I think that's different than it used to be. We have a culture today that no matter what happens around them, they immediately go to outrage. And the internet has made it very easy. It's given everybody a format and a stage to state your opinion. And it's outraged from the get-go. I read something yesterday and I just shook my head. A Christian wrote something and, and he was outraged. He was outraged and demanding change. And, and I'm thinking, did you have to go to outrage? Couldn't you just state you know, some things, some, some, some arguments to think about and consider? But no, it was outrage. It was, here's what I think, and if you don't agree with me, you're wrong, and you're a horrible person, and you're doing this because you're a horrible person. And I'm like, no. Drink less coffee. Have a water break. Don't go to outrage immediately. I do believe there are times in life, and this is going to be hard for you maybe to gather in, there's going to be times in life when you do need to hit outrage. 
But if you're living in outrage for everything, your outrage doesn't make a difference when it should be used. Did did you hear me there? Did anybody hear me? There are things in life that that require outrage, but not not as many or nearly as many as, as we see. And that culture spilled over into the church. Culture, some people say the church mirrors culture, and, and that's a two-way street. Um, I, I do think the church takes in the culture around them, but we become a lot like the world instead of stepping out and being separate. And what I see in this prayer right from the, the start is Paul prays for complete unity so that the world will know. Uh, the little Instagram picture that we send out on Facebook before the sermon, it was... Uh, the world's sick and tired of hearing about the love of God. They want to see it. And I think for too long, they've seen a church, churches that are no different than the world. It's, it's complete outrage instead of complete unity. I disagree, and therefore I'm going to go crazy and, and pitch a fit and sit in it. I mean, we, we're really good at that, you know? It's funny when we see a two-year-old do that in the line at Myers. You ever seen a two-year-old pitch a fit and sit in it? And you're like... Pfft. Come on. And then you go home and you pitch a fit and sit in it too on the internet. And you're just like a two-year-old. And it's ridiculous that we become like the world. And we argue about everything possible instead of finding where we could be unified. And so this morning, I'm going to be with Paul. And I'm going to pray for complete unity at Oakwood. So that the world will know Jesus and see something different. My favorite my favorite comment to me over the last month was when the superintendent of Oxford High School put his arm around me and said, who are you people? <laughs> when he heard of what Oakwood did for that school and their teachers and staff and their uh, drivers and their coaches. And when he heard of all of that, he's like, who, who are you guys? And it made it so easy to say, well, listen, we're just a group of people who've been loved by Jesus, so we love him in return. Jesus came to be with us, and so we're with you. It's so easy to say that when a person's like, wow, what we see is different. And so this morning, we, we're doing good in some ways, but it's so easy to fall in many other ways. Uh, I'd like to read Psalms 15, uh, Romans 15, 5 through 7. Let's, let's do that. Uh, when we work together, we're unstoppable, but when we divide, we're weak and ineffective. Let's hear what Paul has to say. I'll read it on the side screens. You follow along. Paul says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. It's interesting. It sounds a lot like a prayer of Jesus. I, w- I want you to turn, if you could, to John. Turn to John 17, 20 through 23. And I want to give you a prayer that Jesus said, and you might hear Paul's prayer in it. He says, my pray, or I pray, not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them, you in me, so that 
they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Paul must have heard of that prayer from Christ as Christ prayed that the church would be complete unity so that, Jesus said, the world will know that there's a God that loves and it's real, it's not fake. How will they know? They got to see it. Seeing is believing, right? I saw this quote and I loved it. A.W. Tozer said, 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. The first requisite is life, (laughs) always. I'll tell you, in order for us to have unity, there needs to be life, a spiritual life. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So what's new about you? And with this new life, have you come to understand the principle and discipline of unity among the brothers and sisters? Unity. Jesus prayed for it. In turn, Paul prayed for it. It's what Jesus wants. Why? Why should we pray for unity? Three, three quick points, and then I've got a seven, effective, seven highly effective habits of whatever people today. Uh, comes from a book somewhere. I pray, we pray, why pray for unity? Number one, we desperately need each other. We desperately need each other. The church gathers not as a bunch of pious, perfect people, but as broken, needy people. And I hope you've gotten over that. I hope when somebody says, you, you religious people, you just need a crutch. Yes, I do. I need a crutch. Man, I need, I need more than just a wooden crutch. I need a whole wooden cross. I need, I need something because I'm broken and I'm a mess. And, and thankfully, Jesus comes alongside. I hope you're over that. The church is not perfect people. I think maybe the world isn't fair when they come to church and they're like... Those people are just sinners like me. Yeah, we are. You know, and they get the wrong idea. They they think you're going to show up and find saints that are perfect. No, no, you're going to come and find sinners in need of a Savior. But you're going to see something hopefully different. See, we need each other. We need each other. And unity is not uniformity. Amen? Come on, somebody got to be happy about that. Unity is not uniformity. Everybody say amen. Amen. Because if it's uniformity, y'all got to be like me. Everybody now say, amen. And I want to be like PD. <laughs> Let PD be PD, but I don't need another. They don't need more PDs. Yeah, and I don't need to be like you. And so we need to get over the fact that unity does not mean uniformity. Unity is strength in diversity. We need each other because you're different than me. We need each other because I'm different than you. We need each other because where you have strengths, I have weaknesses. And where I have uh, weaknesses, you have strengths. I think that's the same thing, but my weaknesses are doubled. So I need you. Amen? I need you. And we need to be able to say that in humility. I need them. Yes, even the ones that disagree with me. But I'm outraged. Get over it. Stop going to outrage when you disagree with somebody on something. Do we have to have the same political, same political thoughts and feelings on every issue? I would say no, we don't. We don't have to be unified in, in, in the way we see political. I, I, I never see that in Scripture where all Christians have to agree and vote the same way. I don't see that. So we disagree. Well, I'm outraged. Well, get over it. Stop being outraged so much. 
Do we have to like the same music? We fought that. I fought the, the worship wars in the 80s. There was such a thing. I went to a church that had nothing but a piano and an organ and a guy in a three-piece suit who did this, right? He waved and we sang, right? That was three, four. He did four, four sometimes. And, you know, we, we did that. And the organ would come in. And I came in and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great if we could just play some guitar and drums? And, and you know, it was slow moving the church because people would be, I'm outraged. I'm outraged that he even knows what a guitar is. Yeah, outrage. That's the devil's music. It's syncopated. We heard all these things in the worship wars. And, and you know, slowly over time, we, we slowly integrated. started with the youth ministry, and the youth ministry did worship songs. And, and then the church heard them and liked them. And, and so then we sang them with the organ for a while, right? And then eventually we did. We had a service where we were going to use drums and guitars. And guess what we had to do? We didn't have that service in the church building. We actually had to go to the school we rented the school for that service because people could... They were outraged! Are you going to bring a guitar in our church? It's an outrage! You're going to bring a drum in there? Satan's in the drums! Isn't that a shame? I mean, man, there's so many talents and giftedness. Colton told us this morning that he's been playing drums here for 12 years. Hard to believe. He's only 12, I think, you know. He's, he's actually 24. He's going to be 24. He was 12 years old when he first started playing drums here at Oakwood. Why? Because that man, Jimmy in the back, brought him up and taught him how to play drums. And I don't know about you, but I think God gave Colton rhythm where his hands can do one thing and his feet can do another. I can't do that. That's not my giftedness. But Colton can do it and he does it well. Colton couldn't even practice Tuesday night. He wasn't with us on Tuesday night. He showed up off the street this morning and played with us that good. Praise the Lord for talent. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. And so I always thought, are only kids growing up in the church who can play keyboards and organs, are they the only spiritual ones? What about the kids who play guitar? What about the, 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 the adult that learns how to play the drums? And can we use all the gifts? And I would read scripture about the clanging cymbals and all those wonderful things and, and uh, praise him with the lyre and the harp, right? Uh, David used a stringed instrument. Come on now. And so we had a, a battle in the 80s. Boy, it caused division because they're outraged. So we rented the school, took everybody to the school instead of the building, and we did the drums and the guitar and worship in the school building, and guess what? Nobody died and nobody joined the occult. It was amazing. So we came back and brought a guitar, and then a month later, a drum, and over time, we won the worship wars. To this day, that church has a full band, bass, guitar, electric, drums, and you know what today is happening? This new generation is rising up, and, and, and I hated it. I couldn't believe it. My own daughter came to me and said, wouldn't it be nice to have a service without the drums and guitars and maybe find an organ? I'm like, I just want to punch you in the face. I mean, we, we fought a war in the 80s. I'm bloodied and beat up. Man, people called me a Satanist. They hated me. They wanted to kick me out of town, and now you want to, because guess what? Styles change. Everybody say it with me. Styles change. Say this with me. Preference is not mandated. Preference is not mandated from heaven. I imagine, 
I imagine there's lots of ways to worship. You can worship with an organ and a piano. You can worship with guitars and drums. You can worship with no instruments. Church of Christ people said amen. There's all sorts of ways that you can worship. I've worshiped uh, without instruments, sitting on a log on a dirt floor in a jungle in Brazil. And those people sang, I'm going to tell you, no offense, they sang way better than you did because they came, worshiped their Jesus, and they poured it out. And every one of them sang as good as Kevin. It was amazing. They just filled the room. And so I just come to you and say, we desperately need each other. And we're not like each other. We need to get over it. We need to love the person that's not like you. We need to be able to get along with a person who doesn't think just like you. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're one body, but we're different. Isn't it great that we're all not a big toe? Wouldn't it be awful to go to a church that's just all big toes? You know? We ought to go knocking on doors. We can't. We're a toe. You know? We ought to sing worship. No, nope, no mouth, just a toe. You know, we're a bunch of parts making up a body, but we're different, and it's okay. If somebody doesn't think just like you do or agree with you or have your preference, it's okay. We don't need to go to outrage. We might think differently on many topics, but we can unite under one. Now, here's where we are united, right? doesn't matter if you're a toe or a hand or an ear or a nose or a mouth. doesn't matter if you play drums or guitar or piano or keyboard or nothing at all, or maybe not even good at playing the radio. If none of this is true, we can all agree about one thing. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Can we unite under these things? Jesus is God's son, lived a sinless life. He's a substitutionary death on a cross for you and for me. He bodily raised again and he's coming back for us. Amen? Can we unite under those things? If we unite under the facts about Jesus, a lot of the other stuff we need to just let go. We just not need to be at war in the body. Not everybody's going to agree with you. I need, we need each other. Secondly, because the world will see God's love. If we, if we do this in unity and, and we show love toward one another in all of our differences, the world, the world will see. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept, accept doesn't mean convert everybody to think just like you. Accept doesn't mean change everybody so that everybody is in agreement. No, it's accept the word accept there is a beautiful, it's a really long Greek word that I don't even have time to unfold for you, but the best way to do it is with a picture. It's a picture kind of a word. The word accept there means throw your arms open and take people in. That's what it means. And, and it really comes from Jesus at the cross. Throw your arms open and take people in. The beautiful picture is in Luke 15. When, when Jesus is trying to explain that lost people matter to God, he tells three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And how does that story end when the lost son had gone far away? You have the end of the story where the father sees him coming from afar off, and what does he do? He runs to him, and arms open wide, he accepts him in. Friends, as a church, we must be, must be, must be unified by accepting one another, not forcing agreement on every issue or making everybody cookie cutter or think alike. No, there's unity and diversity. There's strength and diversity. We throw our arms open wide and we accept one another. 
What do we stand on? We stand on the truth about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and that he's coming back for us. Because we desperately need each other, the world will see God's love, and because we can do infinitely more together. Together, Acts 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. We love the Acts 4 church. And, and the reality is we can be an Acts 4 kind of a church if we open up our arms and accept one another in. And when we do that, in our diversity, we can do much more, infinitely more together. I'm just going to tell you, I love, I love caring and reaching and meeting needs. See a need, meet a need. I personally love to do that. But let me ask you for a moment this morning, how far would I have gotten if I had decided in December that I was going to buy every staff person at Oxford High School a Christmas gift worth over, worth over $100? How far would I have gotten? And then if I decided I needed to bless the, the bus garage too with $50 gifts uh, for every one of the 50 people that worked there, how far would I have gotten by myself? I'm going to tell you, me and a $25 McDonald's card would have bought all of them a half a cup of coffee. We wouldn't have gotten very far. But you know what happens in the body of Christ? We do infinitely more together. In the body of Christ, we showed up and said, we should do something. Let's, let's think big. Let's think big. Let's gift every staff person at high school a Christmas gift. How are we going to do that? I have no idea. But we have a church. We have a church. And we know they love. We know they care. So we threw it out. And within three days, we had $20,000. You can give me three weeks. I'm not going to come up with $20,000 out of my account. You can give me six months, and then I'm going to run because I, ain't, I don't have it. It's not going to show up. I can't do it by myself. Everybody join me and say this. I can't do it by myself. Say it. I can't do it by myself. Everybody say, I need you. And I need you, and I need you, and I need you because we can do infinitely more together. These are three very clear things. That's why Paul prayed for unity, complete unity, because we need each other, because the world will see God's love, and because we can do so much more together. That's why Jesus prayed the same. So how? How do we develop unity? That was going to be the message, and and I thought, well, but they need to know some hows. (laughs) It's one thing to tell you we need it, and everybody's going to walk out and say, yeah, we need it. And we won't have it until they shape up. That's what we do. We all walk out and saying, this will only work if everybody is just like me. No, it's, it's not it. So how? And actually, I went back to Romans 15 and started reading it over again. And I see seven clear things starting way back at, at we didn't read verses 1 through 4. But in Romans 15, 1 through 7, the whole context gives seven clear effective habits of effective people, of effective Christians. Effective churches got to have these seven godly habits. So let's walk through them. Number one, I must show consideration for others. So we are different, and we don't all agree. How do we handle that? I'm, I'm here to tell you there are people. Listen to me. Eyeballs here. There are people in this church who are so wounded by the political atmosphere that we just went through. They're not only considering walking away from church. They're considering walking away from Christianity. And I've heard it say over and over again, if that's how Christians act, 
I don't want part in that. And I'm not telling you you can't have your opinions. It is a free country. God bless you to have your opinions about who you want to vote for and how you want the world to be run. But consider others. Listen to me. I'm not just preaching a nice feel-good message. I'm spanking a little bit this morning. Consider others. The Bible says it over and over again, consider others more than yourself. Does that mean you capitulate and don't have opinions? No, I've already told you. There is room for strength and diversity. There's room for that. What does the Bible say in Romans 15, 1 through 2? We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. In a different version, it says we should consider one another. Consider. Again, it's okay to have opinions and thoughts. It's not okay to go directly to outrage that everybody has to agree with you. There is a hundred different things in every argument and a hundred different opinions about each one. Don't go to outrage. I use this illustration all the time when I talk about this issue, but I think the best pizza on the planet is Gino's East Pizza in Chicago. It's deep dish. You got to get the pepperoni and you got to get it there. I just had some scent on dry ice and it got there and we made it on Friday because I can eat one bad food a week. Jews got me. I've lost 12 pounds. Everybody say amen. 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 Yeah. Well, I found 15 during COVID, so don't get too excited. So had it shipped on dry ice, got it made in the oven and it was like, ah, it was okay, but it wasn't Geno's because Geno's East Pizza, downtown Chicago, is the best pizza on the planet. And then there's a lot of people here that says he's an idiot. I like Giordano's. How many of you are Giordano's pizza people? Yep. Yeah, okay, Giordano's people. You know, I love you in Jesus, even though you're wrong. Giordano's is for tourists who don't know better. And then I say all that because guess what? We're both wrong. Lou Malnati's has taken over Chicago. Have you seen Lou Malnati's? We need to go together. Let's go together as a Gino's fan and a Giordano's fan. In unity, we'll go eat Lou Malnati's. Because guess what? You know what? Do we have to agree? You're like, who cares if you guys agree? We know we're friends. We know we love each other. And we can have an argument about pizza and you guys are okay with that. But how come in other issues, we've got to go straight to outrage and straight to divide? We don't. You can like Giordano's. I can like Gino's. We can both go and eat Lou Malnati's. <laughs> Consider others. What's the next thing? The next habit in this passage is I must read and study God's word. I must read and study. Verse 4. It says, verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. I'm telling you, it might sound churchy, but the second habit of effective Christians in unity is going to be getting God's word. And I do think this is a telltale sign of why the church has strayed from unity, because we've strayed from being people who read his word. When you read his word, you can't help but to go through Philippians. We ought to have the same mind of Christ who went to the cross willingly to die for you and me. He laid himself down. But don't you think the king of heaven had opinions? <laughs> don't, don't you think the king of heaven had opinions on the day that, that they took him to the cross? Don't you think he could have called 10,000 angels? Yes. But he learned, number one, 
We're going to consider others. He came here and he considered us. And, and the Bible says everything that was written was written to teach us. So don't discount that. I must read and study God's word. Number three, I must choose to endure. Amen. I'm not telling you it's easy. <laughs> Verse four, that through endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Let's be honest. We get frustrated with each other. We do get frustrated when we don't agree. We do get frustrated when we have different opinions. And that's just something that's a fact that we need to endure. Everybody say endure. endure. The Bible says bear one another. <laughs> we got to bear with one another. Again, accept one another. Throw your arms open and be patient. 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 This is a, a good mark of a, a mature church is if they're patient and loving with one another even though they're different. Endure. Endure. Next one. Live with hope. Also and forth. Provided that we might have hope. You know, if we as a church would come together in unity under the bonds of Christ, it would help us have hope for the, the, the world. People, people that have lost hope in the church would find hope renewed if we wouldn't be so divided. Hope. Hope. We find hope when we're patient enough and endure with one another's differences and we accept one another. Hope is a really good thing. Number five, I must prefer harmony over preference. Harmony. Verse five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus had. Harmony. Harmony. I used to do this illustration, and, and it's hard to do now, but it was a real piano. I, I would have a real piano on stage, and I would actually have a professional piano tuner come in and untune the piano, like really bad. And, and so when somebody came to the piano and started playing a song, it sounded awful. But then I would have the guy come up during the rest of the service. During the rest of the service, the professional tuner would be tuning the piano. It was kind of annoying like this microphone is today, right? Uh, he would be hitting notes while I'm trying to preach, and he would be tuning. But then he'd go to the next key. The whole time I was preaching, everybody's like, Ugh. <laughs> but then we closed the service by singing a song, and the piano was in perfect harmony. Everybody say harmony. Friends, disunity is dissidence. It's a music term. Dissidence. It's when it's not in harmony. And God has called us to be in harmony over preference. So you don't get your way or people don't agree with you. How do you act? I heard a story this week about a man who was at his church and they had a meeting and they discussed, they had to chop down a couple of trees. And he was a man who loved the trees. They were old trees, big trees. And he was the only one that just said, please, let's not do this. I don't want these trees to come down. And he gave his case as hard as he could. But they all decided, at the end of the meeting, it was decided the trees were going to come down and they were going to meet on Saturday. Well, guess who showed up on Saturday with his chainsaw? The guy who didn't want the trees to come down. Somebody said, I thought you were against this. He said, I am. But we decided they were coming down and I'm here to help. Where's he at? Send him to my church. <laughs> I'd give anything for, for a follower of Jesus to say, I have preferences, but when I don't get my way, I'm not going to run around and tear everybody down. 
I'll show up and I'll serve and I'll get involved. We don't agree. We don't agree. But harmony Harmony is important. Harmony is important if the world will see. Uh, I don't know if you've been out there. Don't even raise your hand because I couldn't, I couldn't with, withstand it. But uh, how many of you have ever been out there and you've heard somebody say something ugly about Oakwood? They didn't like us. Or probably they said something about the pastor. They didn't like the pastor. And you, and you hear these negative things. And, but, but let me tell you, I pray. <laughs> I pray you don't hear those things from Oakwood people. I pray you don't hear disunity and disharmony from Oakwood people. I pray that you don't gather places and talk down about the pastor because he's what you got. I mean, he is. He's what you got. You got to make the best of him. You do. And you can't go someplace and get with Oakwood people and talk about the elders and, and how you don't understand. And you, you can't do it. And I'm going to say from the pulpit today and make it very clearly, I pray you never hear disunity from our leaders if you hear an elder or a deacon talking down about Oakwood or the pastors, you, you, you need to come talk to me because they need to leave. Because we can't have that. Notice what I said there, the leaders. You can disagree and you might have thoughts, but it's unacceptable for anybody in leadership. If you hear an elder talking down our church, they need to leave. If you hear a deacon talking down our church, they need to leave. You cannot lead in an organization and have unity if there's disunity and disloyalty. I'm serious about that. We would be better off to struggle without any elders than we would be to go on in disunity. We would be better off to go on without any deacons than to have leaders who aren't living in this discipline of Scripture. Now you as people coming to the church, you're like, well, that's strong. Well, it is. There's a higher calling for those who are in charge. But for you as a person, I would pray that you don't down-talk Oakwood. I would pray that when you heard negative things, you would speak against that. Because unity and harmony are important for a church to be effective. Why? So the world will see. So the world will know. There's another one here. Five, six is, I must give God continual praise. And that is in verse 6. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes to unity, comes to one voice. One voice, one heart, one mind, togetherness. And we then give praise to God. Seven, and final effective habit is I must follow Jesus' example. It says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. Arms open wide. That's what Jesus did for us. And we're to live the example that he lived. So that, everybody say so that. So that the world will see something different. You know, let me just end by saying how different it would be if the world saw something where people loved one another and, and, and were positive with one another, were positive about their organization, and, and they showed harmony and unity because all you see out there I mean, Oxford Moms Mafia, boy, if you get on that page, watch out. Man, they all got opinions. And man, it gets, woo, it gets hot because opinions are opinions are opinions. Preferences are preferences are preferences, and none of them have the same. Boy, if the world could see something different than what's normal today. Again, go home, turn on the TV. Listen to the news today and listen for the outrage. It's all you'll hear outrage. Nobody's talking about facts or arguments. 
Nobody's asking people to consider other thoughts. It's just outrage. And you know what? It slipped into the church. And we have to deny that and say we're above that because Christ died for us. He opened his arms wide. We need to learn to open our arms wide and accept one another. Everybody say accept. It's about the goodness of God. I'm going to ask our team to come together. I want to sing you out with the goodness of God. Such a good song. Tracy just used this about three weeks ago. And it was while I was sitting in the service, while Tracy's group was singing this song, that I, I, I just started thinking about the goodness of God. And I started thinking about all the ways that he has accepted us and loved us. And I started thinking of other songs, good songs, and that's why the whole set came to be today. We need to remind ourselves of God's goodness, and then we need to practice. We need to practice goodness with one another. Amen?